0: This is the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.
1: Hello there. Welcome. This is the Territory Story Podcast Weekend Edition or Weekends with Walsh, as it's also known, sometimes called the Clown Town Chronicles. I'm
2: Peter Gowers. I'd
1: like to introduce Leon Logan Nathan. How are you,
2: mate? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's always good to have you. You know, uh, we had that discussion last week about <laughs> what exactly does Pete do on this podcast? And it was a very, very good function. <laughs> I try to bring order. That's really all I
1: got. Let's uh, get our special guest on tonight from the NT Independent Online Newspaper, the editor, Mr. Chris Walsh. Hello, Walshie.
0: Hey, guys. Good to see you both again. You yeah, too. you too. Two times going, this week.
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been a crazy jam packed week.
0: Yeah, sure has. Yeah, lots of news going on. Politics is crazy as usual here.
1: Has so. everybody else feeling a little bit damp like I am at the moment?
0: <laughs> I think so. It hasn't stopped.
1: Oh, it's been one bumper wet season so far.
0: <laughs>
2: I'm not complaining at
0: all.
1: Uh, that's uh, right.
2: I would rather have 26 degrees or 28 degrees and cloud yeah. than bloody 34 and. Stinking hot, mate. <laughs> exactly, humid as hell. Yeah. <laughs> all right, mate. Well, look, we've got a lot of stories to get through today. In fact, I think this is the most amount of stories that I've seen um, in any one uh, of our podcasts. But we'll, mm. we'll try and we'll try and get through it all. Um, they're all really good stories. Uh, starting with Chris, um, the convoy photo used by Chief Minister to suggest the Northern Territory supermarket restocking. Actually, it it was actually from Queensland in 2016. Yeah. (laughs) Another faux pas.
0: Uh, Yeah, social media gaffe again. It seems like something out of Skolmo's playbook or something. I don't know. (laughs) This one wouldn't surprise me if that happened either. But yeah. So look, we, he put up this thing and I, and I got to tell you guys, it's funny how that all kind of happened just today was that I think we had on Mix 1049 in the background at work that we're busily writing away things and this guy comes on, I don't know, I don't know his name, the afternoon guy and he said like, wow, it's, it's a terrific day in the Northern Territory, like this is amazing, this is like, Everyone should be happy. And I was like, Oh, I wonder what's going on. I haven't heard that. <laughs> I guess, you know, I'm, I'm the negative guy. So, uh, I haven't heard that. So I listened uh, attentively and he said, yeah, he said, look, uh, Michael Gunner, the chief minister has posted this photo on his Facebook page that shows a convoy of trucks coming. And he, and he's saying, he's saying that this is, this is, uh, inbound from the East. This is supplies coming. We're, we're getting restocked, everybody. This is mm. a great day. And then he cuts to the song convoy to celebrate how special a moment this is for wow. Territorians. Yeah, that's something. Getting rid of all those listeners with one single song. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that. Uh, yeah, that song's interesting. Anyway, um, yeah, so look, I went on there and I was like, I, don't, I, I haven't heard of this, this convoy, I have to check this out. And it was gone. It wasn't there. And I thought, oh, maybe this was days ago. No, I couldn't find it anywhere. Uh, meanwhile, some people had sent us, some kind of keen eye readers had sent to us this. these um, screenshots of it that they had captured, and sure enough, the photo is of a convoy that was taking hay to to, to drought ravaged graziers in Queensland in 2016. So six years ago. Wow. And and he claims that what an insult. Yeah, and, and like and it's very clear, right? Like, think about this: that it says inbound from the east. That's all it says. The yeah. photo, and then they take it down, and they take it down without any explanation, and without any apology to anybody, right? Wow. So, yeah. Uh, and the, the, the whole thing, too, like, is what he points out in the story here. I mean, this was uh, the Burham Buttock Runners Facebook page where they took this down. It was also included in a news article by Nine News at the time about an organizer, fourth-generation farmer, Brendan Farrell who selflessly refused to take praise for his drug relief efforts, saying he was just a bloke with a truck who put his hand up to help. He had all these other people join him. It was this whole selfless thing to, to do for everybody yeah. in Queensland. And now here you got a politician uh, jumping on that, smacking it on their social media and claiming that they've done it, that they've done something like great wow. for Territorians. It's, it's unbelievable, but you know, it's, it's not the first time that this, these kind of faux pas have happened on his social yeah. media. and' it was what he points out here. I mean, the, the woman who's running this, I mean, she's getting paid somewhere around $200,000. Songo the mercy. I'm going to go with. To post um, on social media? Yeah, well, it was one of, like, mixed jobs of the week or something. Oh. Well, it'll be coming up again. Mixed <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> jobs of the week. It'll be coming up again. <laughs> it'll be
1: coming up again shortly.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, um, you know, and you guys remember back in November, I mean, this they also had to remove that information about um, claiming that the, the woman was a sex worker who kicked off a COVID outbreak here and we still don't know if she was wasn't they never actually said what they were apologizing for but at least at that point they apologized
1: Listen, she just had a good weekend, okay?
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah, that one's still strange but this one nothing. They've not apologized, they haven't responded to questions we sent. I'm surprised more people haven't picked up on it and you know this sounds like a good media watch type of thing here. I mean to, to yes. mislead Territorians in a state that they in. And and everybody's like, wow, look at all those trucks. I can't believe Gunnar organized that for us. And he was like taking credit for this. That was not what it was at all.
1: That is so cheeky. And uh, as someone, uh, like all of us I suppose, who's been to the supermarket in the last few days, that would have given such false hope to people because it literally is what you'd expect to see uh, after, I won't say the Holocaust or something like that, but you know, like after some I remember after Cyclone Marcus, the the shelves at Bunnings and the shelves at the supermarkets were just decimated. It wasn't dissimilar to that when I went to uh, the supermarket the other day. So there'd be people hanging out for certain things: the yeah. fresh meat, the milk. The ah uh, oh man, that that would yeah. really annoy people.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's the thing. I mean, they are slowly getting restocked, as we can see. And but look, you've got remote communities where there's still very much uh, a, a shortage of supplies. And, um, you know, they're talking about military airdrops and stuff in the Northern Territory. And here's the yeah. chief minister is saying, here's the cavalry coming, everybody. I say yeah. the day for you. And it's not true. It's just not
1: true. is mm,
0: So what do we do about it, Chris? <laughs> well, I'd, I'd write him a, a Facebook message and ask for an apology and ask, like, why did he do yeah. this? Like, why? And this this if this continues to happen as it does we've seen now i mean you guys remember the other thing too was that he back in november as well he let a social media spin doctor one of the other ones stay on even though he wasn't vaccinated and after he had sacked hundreds of public servants he then let this other social media guy stay on which caused a lot of outrage so he's got something for the social media people but how many do they need and how much is this all cost us really and yeah, look, I, I think you got to look at somebody being sacked over this. Finally, I mean, how many more mess ups have to happen here?
1: Did he actually? Uh, did he actually come out and apologize for these things no. and take some genuine, you know, show us some genuine remorse? I mean, this is a government that came in under uh, full disclosure and transparency. Remember, so yeah. uh, are we? Are we seeing any of this, or just you know, <laughs> full full steam ahead?
0: Yeah, unfortunately not. And we'll get into that a little later. But some of the other kind of deceptive cover up type things that they're still doing here. But uh, yeah, look, I don't know when he's going to apologize for anything. But
1: But a final comment on that. um, And just a word of the week, I can save the government a lot of money here. If you're paying someone 200 grand a year to make Facebook posts, you need to uh, go and find out what the market actually pays for that sort of service. But uh, let's move on to the next story. Chris, um, Senator Sam McMahon has resigned from the CLP, um, which was described as embarrassing and messy. The CLP has been losing face, uh, according to uh, many, many sources, and the Federal Party's (laughs) status may be lost despite the President's claims of the party. But the Senator's come out and also um, said that she felt quite unsafe at the CLP meetings, which is quite a comment.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. Look, this, this had uh, transpired over a few days late last week and into this week. And I think it was Friday night that we got this story up. Um, we had heard that she had resigned. We had heard earlier in the day that she had joined the liberal Democrats, but we couldn't get confirmation on that. Um, which would have been very significant as well. But the resignation in and of itself throws the party into an almost existential crisis here because it then becomes a non-parliamentary party, which means that they have no sitting members in parliament sitting senators so the AEC the Australian Electoral Commission then does an audit takes two months and they have to determine that they have to remain an official party status that they've got 1500 members and I can tell you the CLP in the Northern Territory does not have <laughs> anywhere near 1500 members <laughs> so uh, that coming to terms with all of that um it Was what well, we sifted through here, and we talked to a really good uh, uh, political legal expert out of University of Queensland. We'll get to him in a sec. But just on the Friday night, with the confusion of it all, um, it was uh, yeah. The, you know, it had gone on the speculation that she was going to be leaving and joining another party. She had told us earlier in the week that she had been approached by minor parties. Uh, she said to us, "Every party but the Greens." <laughs> okay. Does <laughs> uh, that make sense? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Given her positions on things. Yeah. So, (laughs) anyway, so Sam, um, yeah, looking, and and that was the whole thing. And the whole thing still kind of became the what are you doing now and why the resignation? And she wouldn't say, but of course, we know that she was dumped from pre selection and favor just sent the Price back in June uh, of last year. So, yeah, I mean, was this, did she finally have enough of the party? I mean, we didn't know enough on Friday night. We weren't getting a lot of answers. We didn't know how this was going to shape out, but, uh, um she did tell us something i think on the friday about how you know a day is a long time in politics you never rule anything out saying she has no intention of defecting to another party but the day's a long time and you don't rule it out <laughs> so yeah people kind of speculating then okay well she's still gonna do it i i don't know personally if she will and at this point who knows because yeah i mean it's just it's really thrown the party off and we, we kind of get into that because um the, the thing that, that you've got to ask and where, you know, this thing gets really messy and embarrassing, as headline said, which is what the um, the legal expert and, and political science expert was saying, is that they had since June the party to ensure that something like this didn't happen, that they could change their constitution to mm. make sure that if she did get angry after they had dumped her for pre-selection, that they couldn't then fill in... Um, uh, and save the party without going to an audit or eight a- or the AEC doing this audit to find out the 1500 members. And, and there are things now that they'll have to do to change their constitution. The question is, can they even do that before you've got yeah. the federal election being called? Because there's a waiting time for changes to the constitution. They have central council coming up at the end of this month of February. But yeah, there's, there's still a lot of questions over exactly what they can do. Um, basically, there were three. Three issues highlighted by um, Professor Graham Orr at the University of Queensland. And he said, but again, you know, none of these would be easily, easy symbolically, right? Because this mm. is the self styled, the territory party. But it looks like, uh, yeah, these things will include, would include, um, convincing an, in a, an interstate sitting federal politician to join the party to replace Sam McMahon. Yep. Um, good luck with that one. That's, I don't see that happening. <laughs> uh, and you know, that would prevent the AEC from investigating because then they have a sitting member. But I mean, how do you do that? And it wouldn't even be anyone from the NT or no NT issue. So mm-hmm. then you've got, uh, allowing interstate members to sign up. And, but those would be, have to be names that are not already members of the liberals or nationals. Um, so that also requires a change in the CLP constitution. And the other one is officially becoming part of either the liberals or nationals, but thereby, you know, losing their identity as territory party. Mm. So, you know, this is um, I don't know how they got into this situation, like how they weren't organized enough. And I mean, this look, this goes back to the problems that they had to remember the the by-election. I mean, this is questions have to be raised about the management of this party at this point. Mm. I mean, that, they totally just botched that whole by-election. They, they should have done way better. They lost to a, a very unpopular government. And now, here you go, you have this stuff where they should have been all over this right away to ensure that the, the, the party continues to exist if Sam McMahon were to do exactly what she did and just leave the party like that. And, you know, you, you talk to more people... As we're doing, we'll have more stories coming up about this because there is a serious problem here um, of management. And you then get into this. And then, you know, we we run this story and a lot of people talking about this. And then Sam McMahon, I think, comes out on the radio and does ABC and Mix on uh, on Tuesday morning to tell everybody that, you know, part of what led to her to her resignation from the CLP was that she felt unsafe at, at meetings, at party mm-hmm. meetings, right? Uh, central council meetings, and there's another central council meeting coming up, like I said, later this month. Uh, yeah, she said that, look, Jamie DeBrenny, the party president, is a great guy. She has friends in the CLP, but she could not continue to feel unsafe at work. Uh, yeah, And, um, you know, raised some other issues about the report there in Canberra and to uh, harassment of women in Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, she, wasn't, she didn't get into any specifics or elaborate really on what or who made her feel unsafe, but I think you know, the fact that you've got a sitting senator saying that part of the reason she resigned from a party is because of, she didn't feel safe at meetings. Yeah. I mean, so look, the other thing that she had said too early on, I should say that over the weekend too, was that she did, every Monday, I think she put out a statement. And in that statement, she referenced, uh, complaints that she had filed with the management committee, right? Uh, into some grievances that she had. And I guess now we know, uh, these kind of issues that she didn't feel safe. And she had said that they weren't being dealt with, that Jamie DeBrenny, the president of the party, just did not deal with it, and the management committee did not deal with it. So, wow. uh, you know, the management committee, you've got you've got Leah Finocchiaro on the management committee, you've got the deputy leader, Gerard Malley, and you got Jamie DeBrenny, right? I mean, these are the senior people of the party. And if they're not investigating complaints, uh, what is going on there? Like, yeah. they're all on that management committee. That has to go to management committee. And if they're just tossing it away and not not fully exploring it, this party's in a lot of trouble. And and this has been embarrassing for them this entire week because we've really not got any answers. Uh, Jamie DeBrenny saying, oh, well, we've got to follow a process. So it's clear that there was no process in place that that these complaints went. And there's no resolution either for anything if Sam McMahon as the senator has to resign the party. Um, you know, and then you've got them, you know, we hear stories behind the scenes. They're trying to appease her so she doesn't rock the boat anymore on her way out here because, you know, of course, uh, the numbers being so tight in the Senate that Morrison's going to want to pass some things. And I think it was yeah. Barnaby. Look, I think when we talked to her Friday night, she had said that she fully intended to support the coalition government on anything they were going to pass. And then Barnaby came out and said, yeah, look, she can sit as an independent in the nationals party room. Right. So I think that's what you're going to okay. see as it gets down there. And I, you know, I don't know if we're betting on things. It's hard to tell with Sam. She's a bit of a wild card. Uh, uh Whether or not she would, I, I I don't think, I don't think she does. I don't think she does run again as an independent or for another yep. party. I think that might be the end. But um yeah, anyway, uh we'll see what happens there. We'll follow that kind of soap opera drama.
1: It was nice that Barnaby had a spare desk and chair that he offered up.
0: Not <laughs> a great guy. Yeah.
2: <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> yeah, it is it is really remarkable, isn't it, to see the CLP just so disorganized. They used to be at the power party, you know, yeah. back in the uh the back in the nineties. Uh, i, I, I don't, it was way before your time, Chris. And, oh uh, yeah, but trust you... me,
0: I've read I've read everything about it. I've talked to people I know how they were, and um, yeah, this is remarkable. I mean, we knew like when the Giles government was in there that the CLP was having problems and the party itself was too, but oh my God, like yeah you know, and this thing when you've got the issues and those issues came up there too and then that it was an old boys club, right? And this is starting to sound the same, that it hasn't changed. They did the whole autopsy after the losing and just being decimated at that 2016 election and said that the party needed to make changes as well and be more inclusive and be more friendly to women. But you've now got a woman issue here. If this is it, if this is what Sam McMahon's saying and possibly some other people that I've spoken to, there's, um, there's an issue here and they're not getting any better. And they've only got two years, really, two and a half now to... The, the next election, and if they're not organized to to even get their house in order on this, they may even lose federal party status, Yeah, which, you know, then triggers the possibility that if that happens and they don't get the 1,500 members, well, then the NTEC looks at it because the NTEC uh, is relying on the AEC for theirs because they're the federal party. And then it's easy to do that. But then you would have to go and kind of look at whether or not what kind of requirements they'd have to meet there, too. So. To, to do all this in the lead up to, we know the federal election's coming. I mean, this just completely disorganized, and I, I don't know how they could let this happen.
1: There's nothing more disheartening when you have a average government, and that is having a just as average opposition, <laughs> because your alternative is as bad, if not worse, than your already bad government.
0: Well, look, and they're still getting beat up too all the time. And look, we got parliament coming up, but uh, hopefully they have a new strategy here because I'm kinda tired of seeing them getting them getting them being slapped around by <laughs> of the group. Yeah. And and you know, and then they had that issue with the vice president that we spoke about, Jed Hansen there yeah, making his comments out that. there. Yeah. Like they're not they're not a disciplined unit, that's for sure.
2: No, <laughs> no, no, unlike Labor, who are absolutely
0: <laughs> yeah. disciplined. Yeah, yeah, like my God, in all that time. Uh, you know, I and know I still, that. I just feel like like Gunner. I, I feel bad about that. The Gunner scared people in their in cabinet with Crocs in the cabinet and said, "You see what happens if you ever turn on me," which again <laughs> I say was not the message of the book. This the message yeah. of the book was how a bunch of dysfunctional people who who really didn't have much to come from how they screwed things up and how they put themselves ahead of Territorians and. That's exactly playing out again with the Labour government, but they're not turning on each other because they know if they don't, they can continue to collect their $300,000 year paychecks and do absolutely nothing. And we'll get into that, I think, coming the, up here. Hey, you can get 200
1: grand just posting on socials, Chris.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For less stress. <laughs> well, but then plus, 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 plus. You get all exactly. kinds of other stuff. Yeah. You can do it
1: at home and not be vaccinated. I love it.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. God. All right. Well, mate, um, this well, well, late last week I think it was. Um, Gunner came out and announced a booster shot mandate for territory workers.
0: Ah, yes, yes, that was um, met with uh, a Couldn't little bit of. Could see that one coming, could we? Is yeah. Pastor
2: Joel? Uh, is Pastor Joel lining up for his
0: booster? Pastor Joel.
2: Yeah. <laughs> don't you have to
1: get the first two first, Chris? I mean, I'm I don't know. i just throwing it you, up. Can't, you can't just get the third before you get the first two. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, no, look, I, I'm not what <laughs> they're up to. But um, yeah, look, I think a lot of people were a little annoyed about this, actually. I think that, you know, we're at this place. I mean, we, we knew maybe it was going to come, but still, he's announced here that. uh uh, what is it that uh, two doses of the vaccine have given tens of thousands of Territorians excellent protection against severe illness? The booster shot makes sure that protection is stronger, he said, and lasts longer. Uh, the first deadline for high-risk workplaces is March 11th. So that'll include people working in hospitals and healthcare facilities, residential aged care facilities, all of that, residential dis- disability facilities, correctional facilities, renal hostels, uh, family violence shelters, and sobering up shelters. Then everybody else. Who uh, come into contact with "quote unquote" vulnerable people uh, will have to get their booster shot by April twenty second. So, anyone who has a kind of forward facing role in the community—it's
1: a wonderfully ambiguous uh, term, is isn't it?
0: Kind of, yeah, yeah. Like you got to think how, how they could maybe get around that. I don't know. Anyway, I, I get what he's doing, but uh, yeah, I, I, you know, and then to introduce, I think right after that, that was on the Friday. I think afternoon. And then right after that, he announces that we're all wearing face masks outside. And <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, that's well. Not,
2: no, no. Can you correct me if I'm wrong? But I think I might have read somewhere, I'm not even sure that most of the people that are in hospital with COVID uh, issues are, are, are Indigenous. Is, is
0: yeah. 90, 90%. The ABC was reporting 90%. They said that's dipped a little bit this week, but it's still quite high. So, and that's, look, and there are are uh, a number of lockdowns and lockout restrictions in place in a lot of remote communities now, and it really is um, well and truly out there and and rampant and and going around, spreading around. Uh, Yeah, you think this is what he had said he didn't want happening was this, and here we are, and... uh, um, But
2: but honestly, like, I mean, you know, I mean, we all, (laughs) you know, are, are quick to criticize the chief minister, but in all fairness, like, what else could you do? I mean, everyone is 90%, we're, you know, 90% yeah. double vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, most people have signed up for the booster if they haven't already got it. What, what I mean, other than doing what WA has done, which is just insane.
0: Yeah, they keep the borders closed. Like um, that. Yeah, I, well, I, yeah. On, yeah, on the subject
2: we? of WA, I just want to segue this, Chris, please, eh, if, mm. you, if you don't mind. Mm. I got an email today Um From I think it was some uh, travel agency uh, that said, WA airports are now the the, the airport is now like virtually shut down. Uh It's open from eight to four or something, and yeah, and and terminals two, three, and whatever, however terminals they have, three quarters of them are shut down. But how do you run a state like that? Mm.
1: Leon, I was at Tullamarine Airport in Melbourne to fly back to Darwin the other day, as you know. And it staggered me how few people are there. It's, I mean, Victoria and New South Wales and whatever are open for business as though this thing doesn't exist. And nobody seems to be traveling. It's only people who have to. There is just, I went, as you know, I went on a, a domestic leg of an international flight. And you know, when you get to the customs thing where you got to go through the zigzag barriers so no one rushes mm. straight up. Mm. I stood there for about 10 seconds figuring out how to get through it because there was no one there. I was the only person in that room. And when you're confronted with a whole room of those zigzag barriers, it's actually quite confusing. (laughs) (laughs) They haven't got the last person to follow. There was nobody
2: in the airport. It staggered me. Mm. Mm. That's surprising because I I thought it was pretty busy. When when I flew back from Perth last month, it Mm. was Grand Central Station at Darwin.
1: Yeah, I I was surprised, but there was really, there was no one in Tullamorene, and and Darwin was pretty quiet when I got here as well.
2: Hmm. Sorry, Chris. So, yeah, we were talking about the vaccine mandate, but... uh,
0: Well, yeah. No, look, this is like the consequences of things are definitely uh, what we need to discuss here. And then, look, coming in here, leading the opposition against uh, Gunner's uh, plans here was the hospitality. Hospitality NT, yes, the yes. big body representing bars and hotels and restaurants here saying that. Uh, and and yeah, I mean, look, this was, I think we said a scathing indictment of the government's management of the current COVID-19 situation. Uh, the, the statement said the NT has lost its way. There's no clear roadmap, no timelines, no review mechanisms for when the current restrictions will ease. All the while daily fear conferences continue to shred consumer confidence. And those with an absurd eradication policy at their core call for never-ending, stronger and stronger measures.
2: Yeah, uh, they need to go and live in WA for a while. Yeah,
0: that's what they've got over there. Yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think we have. Um, it, we, yeah, you know, I, but I don't know. I don't know what to make of it, Chris. To me, it, the vaccine, the vaccines are there.
0: Well, this is what right? they've been saying. Yeah, you get to ninety percent. That's what we were told. We're at 90%, right? Like, why are people in Darwin having okay. to do all these restrictions and get another booster and then show, you know, the and, passport oh, and all of this? And yeah, yeah and, and, and then someone, the employers. And, and then, like, look, what they're most angry about, too, is just the fact that like, you guys are saying the airport was empty. Well, like, most restaurants are empty. Most pubs are was, empty. Now they going to say. It's the worst since the pandemic started, and there's really nothing right so now. Do you remember them. in
1: 2018 when you could go into the city in 2019? You could go into the city and you could get a car park anywhere you wanted to. <laughs> you could go into any restaurant, any pub. That's what it's been like the last couple of weeks since I've been back. Uh, mm-hmm. I've, I went to Ward Keller the other day in Mitchell Street, which leading up to Christmas was a dead-said nightmare to find a car park on Mitchell Street. Yeah. I, had, I had a choice of about 20 car parks. I went to um, uh, another place in the city uh, which is notorious for never having car parks close to it. There was about 20 car parks out the front. Mm. Restaurants are half empty. Or in fact, they're less than half empty. I went to a, uh, a cafe in Winelli the other day, which is normally open all day, and the owner was closed and said, it's not worth my while to be open. I took $35 yesterday.
2: Uh, wow, well, days trading.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm hearing from people too. Yeah, so well, why is, it, is dire. it? Because
2: of the? Is it because of the mask mandate? Is that the problem? Yeah, that's uh, terrible.
0: Well, and just that it's everywhere. Yeah. People don't want to yeah. go. out. People are scared, mate. Anywhere. Like yeah.
1: they like, oh. so many people have this thing now. Every day yeah. I yeah. see five, ten people posting. Oh, I'm at home seven days. We've got corona. Blah blah blah. Yeah. And those that don't have it don't want to get it, so they're not going out.
2: Right. So So, I was speaking to someone today, and I'm glad I can't even remember who it was, (laughs) but um, they they were telling me that they got COVID, um, and the helpline was really good. Uh, A a doctor called up, you know, within the day, uh, asked what their um, symptoms were, and then spoke to that person every day. Uh, And I think one day they had to go to hospital, and there's monoclonal antibodies there. Uh, uh, this, you know, obviously the, the treatments that yeah. that uh, that are available now, yes. uh, you know, so it, it sounds to me like it's, you, you know, it's being managed pretty well, uh, at well, least in terms of those that are getting sick.
0: Yeah, I don't know, but you look, know, business owners aren't going to tell you that. And just to get back to that statement from Hospitality NT, is that. You know, the statement really basically questioned the logic of the new booster mandate for workers, given that 90 percent of those in hospital are indigenous. Uh, He he said we support and strongly encourage this is Alex Bruce, the uh, CEO of Hospitality NT. We support and strongly encourage vaccination and we'll be complying with the third vaccination deadline of April 22nd as required. But with world-leading high vax rates, it is a reality that the rates aren't going to get much higher in the adult population. Mm -hmm. Health officials have done an amazing job in getting the vast majority of Territorians vaccinated, and every Territorian has now has now well and truly had a chance to get vaxed. Only 2.5% of cases require hospitalization. More than half of the current cases are in the Darwin and Palmerston region, including non-vaccinated people. Yet 90% of hospitalizations are indigenous. Showing vulnerability is linked to comorbidity, age, and general health levels. Uh, he said at the end of the day, we can't force a vaccine into someone's arm and need to move beyond the current debate and do what has been said for over a year, and that's begin living with COVID. And can we officially call an end to the war on the UNVAX? It's dividing families, workplaces, and communities and does no one any good. Yeah. So, so, strong status so, so what do you, what, what do you think about
2: that? What, what do you think about that statement? Because I was, I was talking to someone about that today. Do you think, um, I mean, it's, you know, based on what we've seen, yeah. we've got 90 plus uh, vaccinated, 90 plus percent vaccinated. Yeah. Do we want to force the uh, uh, people that don't want to be vaccinated to be vaccinated or do we just go no what it doesn't matter and if we say it doesn't matter anymore then Mm -hmm. is that the right message to send to the people that didn't want to get vaccinated but did simply Mm -hmm. to comply i I just don't i don't
0: don't think that there should be any messages like i don't think there should be any lessons like you know in terms of that moral things about that i think we've got to learn on how it was handled and stuff but no, I think you do what's best for everybody here, and you got to be able to make decisions like that. This, you know, that th- those comments from Alex Bruce and Hospitality NT are exactly what the official opposition should be saying. Like they should be taking a stance here, saying, "Look, we've we've got a we've got to question you about everything." Instead, they just kind of go along with it and they get lost in the whole thing, and no one really knows. Where so they're So scared, at. yeah. The
2: last time Leah opened her mouth, it was, uh, you know, she was called an anti vaxxer and
0: <laughs> yeah. she was yeah. so scared. That's yeah, <laughs> a <laughs> And that's just what happens, and they continually pummel them with it. But look, I think you got to take a step back and look at the reality of the situation. And, you know, I thought it was interesting on ABC the other day. They were talking about the the rack kits and how you should keep them in the fridge, right? And they had some medical expert on there talking. But at the end of it, they said that the announcer said, uh, oh, yeah, she also just at the end said that it doesn't really matter. We're not going to use them much longer, right? Yeah. And that's like, well, you think that maybe should have been discussed with the health expert as well because, yeah, are we getting to that point where... Look, this is around we're going to live with it, the endemic phase and and let's move on here. Is Gunner still going to be waging this war and calling people anti-vaxxers.
1: I got to say one thing. I'm listening to both your comments. I like your questions, Leon. I like your level-headed response, Chris. But I got to but I got to say this, and you're right, whoever said it, there is this level of angst particularly on social media between those vaccinated and those unvaccinated. Mm. Everybody wants to call each other names. But I got to say, if you're not vaccinated and you're not going out and you're staying away from people and you're doing the right thing, that's one group. But Mm -hmm. the group that really annoy the living bejesus out of me are the ones who openly say, I don't follow any rules. I don't wear masks. I'm not vaccinated. It's all a myth. I couldn't care (laughs) less. Well, if you end up on a ventilator, you're not getting Medicare to pay for it. That's, Got to be the attitude. That's what Singapore has done. It's what many <laughs> others have, they, have done. Have yes. they really yeah. done that, have they? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It just You can't have that. I didn't want to get vaccinated. I don't like mm. needles, right? I mm. didn't want to do it. But I did it because that's the game we all have to play at the moment. We all want to keep jobs. you got to do it. So yeah. if you, if you want to play this anti-vax game and be not part of the rest of the community, that's fine. But you don't get the benefits that we enjoy if you're copping out in the other areas.
0: Yeah, but then it's like, how long is that going to go on? For? Forever. Can I get your point. Yeah, <laughs> <Forever>. <laughs> But, you know, like, like the, this is what Hospitality NT is asking for right now, is they're asking for the removal of the check-in system, which I think probably everyone yeah. can agree that thing ain't working right, yeah. um, especially in high-vaccinated communities. Removal of the vaccine pass system from hospitality venues, given, again, high vaccination rates, and the fact that all tourists entering the NT are faxed. Uh, removal of the vaccine employee vaccination mandate outside of aged care, disability and health, commitment to minimise work from home arrangements in the public sector, launched a campaign to rebuild consumer confidence shredded by daily fear conferences. Yeah, Yeah, and and the other thing
1: is that uh, when I arrived here, whenever it was last week, at that stage, you had to do three rat tests, you had to download the G2G uh, app, you had to do all this stuff. I got here, the G2G app thing was eradicated and you no longer needed to do the three rat tests. Well. Okay, that's fine. My bloody app still keeps beeping at me that I haven't checked in for this and I haven't checked in for that. Uh, yeah. Well, clearly no one's monitoring it because no one's contacted me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the point these it's days? Chaos. Yeah. I think we're just getting to that point here where everybody's tired. We've had enough. And basically on December 20th, they let it in and yeah. they just let it go wherever it's going to go here. And so let's deal with it then.
1: And from a completely uneducated perspective, like when you talk about Leon praising the government for the management, Hmm. My my perspective of looking at it is hmm. they seem to micromanage it within an inch of its life until it got here. And then, ever since it got here and became worse and worse and worse, they are basically gone, Oh, okay, we're not going to do this anymore. We won't do that. Oh, it is what it is. Don't worry about well, it. Well, and then, Look but then,
0: in, in fairness to them, they then had to yeah. take those resources and put them in the hospital and put them in other places because then everybody started to get it. And we know that yeah. those yeah. numbers are going up every day. But yeah. No, I it's a look. Difficult, I mean, difficult,
2: uh, situation. But you know, you guys, you guys are, are going to say, Leon, what? Are you, how much are you getting paid? But quite frankly, <laughs> I think the government's done a pretty good job. I mean, I, I understand the issues that Alex Bruce has raised here, and I and I actually agree with that. Mm. But I, I, I do think that two things happened. Uh, one, as soon as they decided to open the borders. You know, it was about the same time that Omicron turned up, which was a game changer (laughs) right? because they weren't expecting that it was going to go, you know, ballistic. Um, But uh, look, I I think the reason why the government looks like it doesn't know what it's doing here is simply because I think they're trying to minimize the number of people that end up on ventilators that we don't have, you know, Mm. or end up, you know, breaking the hospital system
0: which is already broken yeah and by so, doing that by mandating a booster is what you're saying
2: well not just mm-hmm. that but also men you know mandating masks and things like that just doing something mm-hmm. to try and minimize the, the, the you know the, mm-hmm. the contagion so you know when i think about that i think oh well you know i mean you, whatever they do they're going to be criticized if they mm-hmm. let more if they if they remove the mandates they're going to be criticized for letting it go run like wildfire. If they put the mandates in, they're going to be criticized for, you know, why are we doing this when we're 90% back? So damned if mm. you do, damned if you don't. On this issue, I, I think, you know, look, I think the government is doing okay. Uh, I mean, you know, should they should they lift the, the mask thing? Probably at some stage. And, and maybe that's coming. I, I think, think how many is, people, look how many people are getting COVID. I can yeah. tell you that, it, you know, within my own circle, the number of people that I'm finding out that are getting COVID every day is just yeah. exponential.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. everybody. Well, going I know. Not now.
2: <laughs> I'd just like to say that that um, pro-government
1: comment was written and spoken and authorised by Leon Logan Nathan. <laughs> and I'm going to caution you there and I'm going to give you a yellow card. I was going to go straight to red, but I'll give you a yellow card <laughs> and you're on notice.
0: Yeah, um, because, sorry. yeah. We'll see what we'll see what happens here in the coming weeks and months, but uh, yeah, clearly the community's divided on this. But uh, yeah, look, we're all staying safe. We've we've only had a few deaths so far, and any deaths are not yeah. good. But um, the fact that we kept them in, in, yeah, as safe as long as possible, and of course, they have mm-hmm. persistent conditions. So really, so far, so good.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to the next story tonight, and uh, the Alice Springs mayor has declared that in uh, quotes, our town is in crisis and makes an urgent plea for help with out of control crime. And separately, Chris, there's calls for the police minister to resign over inaction on Alice Springs crime crisis.
0: Yeah. Does it seem like it's been a while since we talked about the crime (laughs) issue in Alice? Like, this never goes away, right? Like, we're always talking about this. And look, uh, we did a story back in January, a few weeks ago now, about um, talking to some sources with some knowledge of how things were operating down there and telling us really that. the the staffing issues are so bad. You've had so many people resign or, or retire that they, they were putting senior detectives on the, on the bottle of, right? Like they, they at some point only had one patrol car patrolling around at night in Allen Springs. And, uh, uh, yeah, this, this problem doesn't seem to, to go away and it's made worse because then you've got the COVID situation down there as well. And you've got police leaving Alice Springs to go into remote communities to protect uh, everyone there when they go into the lockdowns and whatnot. So yeah, it's, it's a really difficult situation there. And, and, the, you know, the mayor, Matt Patterson, uh, he, he was saying, look, we know that this happens like every January. Things are bad, but he said, this is, this is by far the worst thing that we've had. He said, um, This is not an exaggeration. Uh, Intruders are breaking into people's houses, getting into young children's bedrooms while they and their parents sleep. People no longer feel safe in their own homes. We've had tragic deaths and near misses as a result of crime in our community. Frankly, we're at the end of the road. Uh, Residents uh, are having their businesses destroyed, cars stolen and smashed, houses broken into, and are being assaulted walking to their cars from dinner. So this is a town, as he says, in crisis now, at breaking point. He then pens a letter to, uh, and you know, approved by the council, the council all got behind this and said, well, let's write to some of the territories and the uh, country's top politicians and see what we can get and other figures as well. Uh, so... The letter you know, went out. He said, look, there's no other way to describe it. Our town's in crisis. This letter isn't about politics. Quite frankly, I don't care on which side of the political aisle you sit on. I'm reaching out because something needs to change immediately. I'm fed up. Business owners are fed up. And our residents are fed up. I don't have all the answers, but I truly believe collaboration is the key to success. Uh, please accept this as an invitation. I'm urging you to come to Alice Springs to witness this firsthand. <sighs> so... Guess what happened? Nothing.
1: I was gonna guess. <laughs>
0: yeah, okay, not much. Yeah, look, um, Nicole manison flies down there. Uh, the police minister, of course, she uh, probably had that trip planned anyway, and had nothing somebody was retiring, this. I believe. <laughs> yeah, there was some cake somewhere <laughs> down there, so she showed up for a free slice of cake. Um, yeah, look, it was, it's really, it's gotta be so frustrating for them. And I, you know, go back to, what was it, like a year ago with that current affair program where there were millions of people, millions of Australians had seen just how bad it was last March. And then, you know, they were having cancellations, tourism cancellations, people didn't want to go there, but nothing's been done. Just nothing's been done. Gunner doesn't meet with them. Uh, Nicole Manison doesn't meet with them. And now it's so bad because of the staffing issues there that there's no way to fix this unless somebody actually fixes this. And then admits that there's a problem, somebody in charge, and whether that be Madison or Chalker or Gunner or, you know, somebody actually has to do this. A- anybody. And yeah, anybody. Yeah, and you get the feds in there. You got Ken Wyatt was sent that, Scott Morrison. Uh, look, even I think uh, Anthony Albanese is the opposition leader. Uh, somebody's got to be coming down and, 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 and doing something here for these people in Alice Springs. But You know, after, after Madison shows up, and I I can't believe she did this. And they reported her saying this. It was in the NT News. We weren't down in Alice, but, um, they had, uh, they had a reporter there who quoted her saying, um, uh, what was that? She said while meeting with the mayor, Mr. Patterson on Tuesday, that there is no silver bullet for fixing crime, guys. There's no silver bullet. Uh, there are many complexities to overcome here, uh, and that, I believe the best strategies are always local strategies, Miss Madison said. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this this just... straight
1: out of the straight bat playbook, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> well, look, Robin Landley called her on it. The independent member for Errol Lewin said this yeah. is absolutely <laughs> disgusting what she's done. Uh, And called for her to resign based on those dismissive and patronizing comments towards the ongoing crime crisis and and basically a lack of of action on what's going on there. So, yeah, she said she responded to the cries for help in her usual dismissive patronizing way. She rejected Alice Springs was facing a crisis and rejected the need for federal government intervention, Ms. Lamley said, but she also offered no new strategies or assistance going forward. Instead, Madison rolled out her well-rehearsed motherhood statements we have heard many times before uh yeah and and where does that take anybody? Nowhere. I mean so why did she problem? bother
1: wasting taxpayers dollars flying down there?
0: Well, that's what I think she do
2: absolutely nothing about it.
0: Yeah, I think she was just happened to be down there for some cake, like you said and yeah, okay. and they well, got what her can on it. A...
2: do I mean police are leaving in droves according to well, some of the other stories yeah. that you've written. That's what uh, I'm saying is, so. is, is 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 out of you know. Uh, out of what you know, completely uh, as low as it could be, yeah. uh, according to the you know some of the sto- other stories that you've written, well, how are they going to fix this? What sort of uh,
1: declaration needs to be made to stick the uh, army on the streets down there, Leon? Mm. I,
2: I wouldn't have a clue, but uh, that's what if I, I, if I was an Alice Springs, resident, I would be absolutely livid. Mm. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, they've done the best that they can. They've they've voted in the people that they think that are going to make a difference down there. Yeah. Uh,
0: you know, I didn't vote for labor. <laughs> yeah. well,
2: that, you got, that's the problem, isn't it?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, but look, I, look, the question, I think it all comes to leadership. When we talk about the staffing issues and the low morale and stuff, I think, again, we just, we always seem to get back to this point that the, the police, the anti-police force is so dysfunctional at this point that something needs to fundamentally change with that. And you got to start looking at the top and, 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 you know, Robin Lamley's calling for Nicole Madison to resign. And then the buck stops with the minister, surely. Uh, but also, I mean, Jamie Jocker, hes the guy getting paid to, to manage this day-to-day operations. And I tell you guys, like every week, the horror stories that I hear from frontline officers who send us stuff, who contact us with stuff, uh, with stories. And I, I just—I'm I, just shocked. Like, it, I think if people knew how dire the situation was in Alice Springs, but even up here in Darwin, I mean, we've got some serious issues up here, and how. Chalker's been allowed to to just him and his little team of, you know, the, the, the executives there, the brass, mm. uh, basically just, you know, fa- a lot of favoritism going on. I mean, there's just a, a lot of allegations of, of mismanagement and you can see it. Like, I, I wouldn't even believe maybe some of that if like everything was running well. But you know how many times we get told like, like, McRoberts is a better police commissioner <laughs> than Chalker and, and McRoberts went to jail. But they seem to to like him. I mean, Chalker is so unbelievably loathed. And you look at that at the low morale, that's all on him. And, you know, Madison can can wear some of that as well. But you got to start fixing this thing from the top and, and, and making it a big approach here because this stuff's not working. And every day and we always have more stories, you know, uh, coming out and there'll be more stuff about it. But at some point, something's got to give here. And um, yeah, and the police force needs to be restored, and people need to be respected there again, the officers, and that—that's kind of the main thing that I'm hearing from a lot of frontline people. Is there's no respect for us, and therefore, we don't have any respect for the brass. The
1: problem is though, Chris, that you've done 80 plus episodes of the uh, Territory Story podcast weekend edition, and I reckon you've said that every second week for the 80 episodes, <laughs> and and
0: I just the, can't believe it. It just the gets the worse. This
1: government's been in place. Mm-hmm. And please jump in and shoot me down if I'm wrong here, boys. But there's not one single instance of anybody suffering from any consequences of their actions when it comes to this government or senior public servants.
0: Yeah, yeah. Am you I wrong? At, no, and you look at Murray Smallpage, right? That was a good one right there, where he yeah. has some offensive comments and did some stupid stuff, but no, he was protected, and that's what they don't like. But you're right. Anybody who. Who's maybe smaller? I mean, the real the people in positions of power will always be protected. It just you kind of get that sense here. But that's why we keep doing what we do every day and exposing this stuff. And yeah. Sooner or later, I think like Owen was saying that the other day. You know, the straw's on the camel, and um at some point it breaks. And and yeah, look, we got a trial coming up that's going to be very interesting. Mm. Um. Yeah. So yeah, accountability. Not much of that these days in the Northern Territory.
2: Yeah. Well, we. Uh our sympathies go out to the people of Alice Springs. Um, this is not a new story, as you mm-hmm. said, Pete. And, you know, I don't know what you do short of basically vigilantism. I mean, what what's left?
1: That's exactly right. Yeah, that you know? is exactly right. That's how it feels. It feels like someone on the other side, a victim, is going to lash
2: out shortly and then watch what happens. Yeah. Well, uh, on to another story. The uh, one that, um, oh, you know, it is, it is certainly one that keeps on giving. I got to say cocaine sex scandal cover up continues as Gunner's office refuses FOI application. Yeah. So this was a story where you were basically doing some investigative work here, Chris, trying to find out what happened with that email survey. It's almost like a Hillary Clinton story.
0: <laughs> yeah, where the where'd the server go and the email? Damn emails. Um yeah, but like you you say that, Leon, and you're absolutely right, the kind of the story that keeps on giving, but they're doing this to themselves. They're the ones if they come out and they actually address this stuff, it doesn't keep giving. Like that's like Politics 101's handling scandals, end it. Get rid of whoever you have to. End it. Don't let it drag on. Mm. These fools don't don't get this. And and here we are now. So this this was a an FOI application that I actually originally filed a year ago. I realized this month, and just on Friday was ultimately after a long series of events uh, was rejected and through spurious <laughs> means that we're challenging. But basically, if you guys recall, and I'll just bring you up to speed on it. That uh, that there was an email that we sent. Right. And we had seen messages. We had these messages and they involved Mark Turner and, um, and the local sex worker and Kent Rowe and the local sex worker. And there was discussions in there, explicit messages, uh, quotes, graphic sexual comments, uh, uh between the senior staffer and the woman as well as discussions of drug use between those two among other matters the email also provided messages that showed that mr turner was aware of the woman's cocaine use but we it was not alleged that turner had used drugs himself but he was sure he was according to these messages aware of it so uh, there was a lot of stuff to sift through back when this cocaine sex scandal happened so we you know, and I remember how it comes out, and it's on the Sunday, and the anti-news gossip thing. But then Leah Fanacchiaro comes out and says, "No, like it's not us." They were saying some political parties involved in a cocaine sex scandal, and then uh, you know, it all unfolds the way it does, and it looks like things are going to be bad. It's like Gunner comes out, and this is what I don't get. So then I realize we're like working on this, and we have some some information, some information. We get the other information later on as it goes out, but. I said, okay, well, you know, we've got to do this now. And we send the questions to, to Gunnar, uh, well, to his, his communications director, Maria Bilius, and there's no response. And we're kind of used to that, but these, these questions were pretty serious. And we said, look, this is very serious stuff here. There's, you know, potentially legalities, uh, you know, all kinds of issues here. So we'll give you as much time, like we'll give you some time until tomorrow. Get in touch with us. So. Um, we quoted the messages. And I remember Gunner at the time had said later that we should have sent him the actual messages as if I would give all of my information to a guy <laughs> who doesn't talk to me. Like at any time, we said we'll extend the deadline. And that meant you contact us. And if you need to see this, we'll... We'll sit down with you and we'll show you this. But he, he chose in his stubborn ban on us that he's still doing. And this is probably going to cost him politically uh, that he didn't have to respond or at least Maria, Bili- Maria Bilius, his communications director, didn't respond and then... You know, as, this, as that week went on and, and Turner got up and said some things in Parliament that maybe weren't exactly accurate, uh, as this went on, you know, Gunner then puts out a statement saying that, uh, look, we weren't aware of this until Wednesday night because he's in Parliament. He's being asked on that Tuesday by Leo Finocchiaro. What is going on here, Chief Minister? You need to talk about this. This election night, you know, drug fueled sex orgy. You've, you've got to talk about the like. What is going on here? And he kept saying, "No, there's no evidence. This is a uh, rumor and gossip." And remember, they belittled her and called her "gossip girl." And uh, and meanwhile, they're sitting. That's on the Tuesday. Meanwhile, at three thirty six p.m. on the Monday, I had sent them the evidence that they needed. I had sent them a number of messages that showed exactly what was being alleged. So. He then comes out on the Wednesday, and then the Wednesday, uh, Turner ends up having to give the speech because the woman outs him on radio or, or says that it's a male MLA, a labor MLA. And then he has to come out because there's a few of them and and take responsibility well to some degree, even though Gunner says it's not true anyway. But the Saturday, Gunner says, look, we didn't know anything about it until the Wednesday. And I thought, so I write a story so said, "No, excuse me, on Monday, 336, you did not respond to it. We've got proof of that email. Got sent and it was sent to a few people. It was Maria Bilius, Ken Rowe, the senior staffer, and Mark Turner. We gave them all an opportunity to respond to this stuff and they didn't do it. And then Gunner appears to be misleading territorians again by saying he didn't know anything about it. So he then comes out and amends his statement to say, after we run our story, that of course he doesn't read. So that was just a coincidence somehow. Uh, he then comes out and says, Yeah, okay, there was like we got the email, but it was a server fault. So we didn't get it on the Monday. We got it sometime on the Tuesday. But even then, I mean, they knew about this stuff. And so what we did simply was we waited to some of that, all that stuff died down. And I thought, you know, and I'm talking to political people and they just laugh, even if it is a server fault, why would you ever say that? Like, people aren't going to believe that. It's just unbelievable. But I thought, okay, let's just FOI this. And it's a very simple FOI. Let's just see where this email... When, like, when it was actually received by like who it was received to what time, uh, uh, who it was forwarded to and then communication surrounding those questions, right? So it's very simple. Like this should not take long at all. It's about one email and then you'd have some other documents there from other emails and they're talking about it. Should they respond and shouldn't they? I've seen these kind of things before in another FOI, how they deal with our, with our emails. And I get those other emails. So these guys then, you know, we put that out on, on, in February, the end of February last year, and they delay. they delayed it. They had 30 days to get back to us and they needed an extension. And then they came back the end of March and said, uh, it's under investigation by the ICAC. So you can't get this. So I said, okay, well, you know, yeah, well, that's in the Information Act. That's a legitimate reason for not disclosing information because the investigation's afoot. So, We wrote a story saying, you know, the office is being investigated. And then come November, when, um, privileges committee just admits that they didn't investigate Turner at all because the ICAC didn't investigate Turner at all in the end. Um, but then I realized, well, now they don't have that excuse. So I refiled in November, the exact same FOI. And now they delayed and they delayed again, um, months. And now on Friday, they say, no, you're not getting it. And essentially the argument is that, um, that uh, uh, that media matters. So the re- the, uh, the requested material involves media matters that do that do not relate to a public sector agency, nor to any specific legislation or program administered by the NT government. And then they say, as the information that you have requested is not connected with the chief minister's responsibilities as the holder of that office, it is not subject to the access and correction rights under Part Three of the Information Act. Uh, and this was written by the unnamed government information oh, officer. Another
2: un- un- unnamed officer, yeah. again.
0: yeah. Which you know <laughs> it's probably it's probably Gunner's chief of staff. I mean, we just don't know. It's probably that Emily bears for So, <laughs> look, the, the, basically, what they're saying here is that because it's media matters, they do not relate to a public sector agency. Um, it does, but they say basically their media advisors are exempt from the Information Act because it's media matters, and it doesn't actually affect any public sector agency except for Department of Chief Minister and the Chief Minister's office. And then they say that the gunner, the Chief Minister's, uh, that the material is not connected with the Chief Minister's responsibility as the holder of that office. But here we have a guy who, who's made public comment about this very matter. And, and, and numerous times in Parliament and on radio, he's referenced this email and what his team did. At first, it was a story that was then altered and changed. Even in Parliament, he had to address this. He had to address the email. So to to say that, you know, that that, that they don't have to give us that and the public doesn't have a right to know, I mean, it's very much in the public interest. And we're saying the, the the media advisors are paid with public funds through the Department of Chief Minister and Cabinet. That makes everything they do when they're acting on these kind of things that that's legitimate and that, yeah, Gunnar's mentioned this before. He said that the buck stops with him many times. Well, not many times, once a long time ago we found but uh, but it's still a valid point here and also just that that, uh, that he's mentioned this before and that he's very much responsible for these communication matters and what came out. So... It's You've noted
1: that the uh, buck yeah. has never stopped with him.
0: No, that's right. But he did say it one time. <laughs> um, yeah. So look, we wait now. That's uh, we've requested the internal review process, uh, and then we'll probably end up having to go to the office of the information commissioner and NTCAT after that. Uh, I fully expect, mm-hmm. but we'll get it in the end. And this is why this is so stupid strategy-wise uh, to just delay it because it's going to keep coming up. And, um, you know, yeah, good luck. Good luck. Maybe they think they can stretch it out two and a half years. I, I don't know. I mean, it's already been one year, but we'll just keep writing stories. So we'll keep you all updated on it. That's for sure. I feel sure.
1: like you just got Jack Nicholson to Chris. So what I want you to do is when you go to NTCat in the end, I want you to ask one question. Who gave
2: the code red?
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was, <laughs> I was thinking that. I was absolutely... It's funny you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: One of my favorite movies, Pete.
0: Yeah. It's a great movie.
1: <laughs> you can't handle the truth.
2: <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so many good lines. And, and
0: now just and just to come back to it kind of really quick, because we did find this in 2016 on the platform of Restoring Integrity. Remember his, his famous paper. He actually said this about FOIs, which we know are the worst in the country. Uh, he, he pledged to improve it, including to strengthen the presumption in favor of disclosure to reduce processing times, it's been a year, and scrapping <laughs> fees below $2,000. He, and he actually wrote this at the time. These reforms will make it easier, cheaper, and faster for Territorians to access information about how their government operates.
1: Hey, what's what, uh, Scrapping yeah. fees under $2,000, what attracts a fee over $2,000?
0: Oh, I've had some where they wanted like $80,000 for but the that's information. Just them,
1: that's just them taking the mickey though, right? They can't legitimately well, say it's worth that money.
0: Well, because they... Check these documents, and then they have some formula that they work out of how much it costs for each page, and if it's 8, a lot, so then you've got eight point six billion
1: gotta, dollars worth of debt. Money, how many days we got left? Ah, oh, that's eighty grand. Thanks, Chris. Yeah,
0: well, that was the craziest one, but yeah, I mean, th- we've had them up there around two thousand, and they're not. Yeah, and we—I've never had that happen since twenty sixteen, and I've filed a lot of FOIs. He's never scrapped the fees for me.
2: Oh, is Okay, that's uh, look. You know what? I'd really like to know is what's the CLP's platform on this. Cause I think we should take, uh, yeah. you know, we, we should Good take question. the opportunity to put that to them before the next election. Yeah. Say, hey, guys. <laughs> This is really important,
0: (laughs) (laughs) and then they're just going to quote this stuff. Will you (laughs) maintain the
1: scrapping of fees under two thousand? Come on, actually, actually,
2: I think Chris, you know, well, I don't know how long, how many years for the next before the next uh, Mm, two and a half. Two and a half. I think you need to remember this one and uh, give it to whoever's going to be asking the questions when they have their debate.
0: Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, look, yeah, I know other journalists are upset about this as well um and just how they do this so yeah we're and we're like i said the the, the good thing they keep rolling this out they keep dragging this out so we can keep rolling out these stories so we'll keep you all updated on on how this goes and how we finally get there because you know either gunner misled parliament and territorians or gunner misled parliament and territorians but did it because his advisor told him to do that so that's the issue here and it's and and they're just covering this up and they make it worse for them when they do that so
1: i'm hearing a theme there chris but uh, no doubt <laughs> you'll uh, you'll update us as things unfold absolutely moving on to the next story and the icac has apologized to a former turf club board member due to a secret recording <laughs> sounds saucy
0: it really does and it really isn't <laughs> 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 when you when you
1: read the how it really isn't.
0: No, it's a real dud. But uh, look, I thought it was important to to get that out there. Now you know this came from one of these uh, judicial reviews, and they're calling it, and that's um, into the, of course, the Turf Club report, a public statement by uh, the former ICAC Ken Fleming, and. Uh, what they found in this, and then it somehow made its way to the NT News. I, I just can't explain how that would ever happen. Uh, what they found in this in the in this disclosure, and the and the ICAC commissioner said this, this came out through this judicial process. And in this disclosure was that w- one of the investigators who had worked on the um, on the uh, on the grandstand investigation had had interviewed uh, or had a chat. I guess Anya Lormer is putting it. Um, at a uh, at a cafe about the grandstand and that they found that he had actually recorded that conversation and um yeah and i guess that they had used it somehow somewhere and uh anyway this had all come out of course she wasn't under investigation at so at the time and uh her being secretly recorded. Uh the yeah, it was just something that, you know, it's embarrassing for the ICAC in there. I mean, you you want people to trust you if you're going there and you're not under investigation and they're secretly recording you. Um, that's an issue. But you know, on the other hand of that, you've got to look at this that uh well look, yeah, I mean that's just a close case. There's no either or with this one. That's it. Like the the ICAC can't be doing that. And and Michael Rich has said as much. uh, But yeah, and then you've got this. I just found it really funny that Anya Lorimer says that I found this unethical. Uh, Yet yeah, here we are. She was on the board of the Turf Club. And we know this from minutes of meetings that she got up and she told everybody that, that awarding the $12 million taxpayer contract to, to, to former chair Brett Dixon's company wouldn't pass the pub test, would result in a corruption investigation, but did it anyway, voted to approve it anyway. And, and it's like, who are you saying what's unethical and what isn't here? Like, yeah, I mean, look, she was sacked with, uh, the rest of the board there by Gunner for, uh, you know, uh, breaching the public trust. And I think they said, uh, uh, un- undermined his trust. Now somewhere here. Anyway, you remember this, that it uh, improper conduct. It's what Gunner called it, uh, They accused the entire board of improper conduct in awarding the contract to Dixon's company. Of course, Sonya bounced back. Of course, you know, she runs campaign Edge Row. She uh, helped out with the 2020 election For labor, Uh, She was then, after she's booted off that for improper conduct, uh, she was then appointed chair of the Activate Darwin board. We spoke about that before. There was a group run through Department of Chief Minister and Cabinet that awards government grants for Darwin CBD promotional activities. Her company had been paid through that group before. Now she's chair, and I don't know how they balance conflict of interest. We asked her. She didn't say... But uh, yeah, look, it just seems another embarrassing story for the ICAC there, and then really for Anya Lormer too that we get to, we have to bring this all up again and how just uh, inappropriate. You know, she may have been here with the, this decision to award the money.
2: Hmm. And. So is ICAC... Not, uh, I mean, I don't know whether they are they are not. Are they not allowed to record conversations secretly?
0: Yeah, good, good question. So he said, uh, Michael Riches, in a statement that he sent us, said that uh, in the NT, it is not illegal to record a conversation to which you are a party, even if other parties to the conversation are not aware of the recording. But in my view, he said that that is not the issue. In my opinion, the meeting should not have been recorded without the witnesses' knowledge. I'm surprised and disappointed it occurred. I am advised that the decision to record the conversation was suggested and approved by persons who are no longer employed in my office. Mm. Uh, and now it's been reviewed to this been sent to the inspector again. like this guy's not busy that's, enough doing the Ben Robert Smith stuff. but that's
1: the bit I found weird, Chris is mm. it's not illegal to do it. It might be improper or unusual, but mm. it, you know to to come out and publicly apologize, essentially, for the conduct of your predecessor, yeah, it, it just—I don't know—it seems. Uh, I
0: know weird. this. This seems to be the strategy, and it's really weird. He's saying he's not like the worst guy here, Fleming. But they made some mistakes, and there wouldn't be mistakes that I would make. Yeah. And you know, he comments a lot on what the previous yeah. guy did for saying that. And I'm not going to comment on what happened before I arrived. <laughs> right. You know, but then he—he he seems to every week have to say something. I won't but, comment? Look. But if I did, I'd say this. Yeah, this is how he's chosen to handle this, right? I mean, yeah, you've got you've got this issue. That, I mean, the bigger issue is still going on about the twelve million bucks and what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, I, I think he could have said, "Look, these people were under investigation." Yeah, while well, it wasn't illegal, um, you know, expect that you know that when you're involved with something like this, that there may be notes being taken. I would I would assume, but um, you know, but I don't know. I'm not in that. I'm not awarding twelve million bucks of taxpayer money to people, so. And I've never um, had
1: a friendly coffee with an ICAC investigator, so I'm not sure. What the yeah, exactly. Is. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you got to pat him down now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, look, I I don't know. And he did Rest assured,
1: if I, if I ever am in that situation, I will be taking a microphone and recording.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can. You can. And uh, you probably should, actually. People should do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so look, he said that he needed to, he needs to build the trust back and stuff. So I guess the easy way to do that is apologize and move on here. But um, like I said, the bigger issues are still at play and we got to see what comes out. And it still looks like nobody's ever going to be held accountable for that 12 million bucks and how that happened.
2: Yeah. Hmm. Yep. All right. Well, let's move on to a business story. Um, uh, The Sentinel, Sentinel Property Group, a Brisbane based company, has purchased Casuarina Square Shopping Center off the GPT Group. For three hundred and ninety seven million you've written.
0: Yeah, that's right. Was it for sale? Yes, apparently it was last year. Okay. Um it was up for let's see what the price good, was. June it was
1: commission on that Leon?
0: <laughs> it was listed for four hundred and twenty-one <laughs> mil at the end of June twenty twenty one. Um yeah, so it was brokered by JLL's people. Uh stated it was the largest purchase for Sentinel property is Warren Ebert's group since twenty thirteen. Uh, and then they said that they're very long in the northern in northern Australia, particularly in Darwin and North Queensland. This the Sentinel property group, uh, with a portfolio approaching seven hundred and fifty million. Uh, yeah, they're saying the NT has an enormous couple of decades ahead of it with planned investments in the region. Is that million um, or billion, Chris? Sorry, which one? Seven hundred and fifty million, it says here.
1: So they've just spent more than half of their <laughs> yeah. total. Okay.
0: Yeah, good point. Cool. Yeah, so um, yeah, uh, and they're saying that look, the the yeah, a couple of decades ahead will look good for the Northern Territory, uh, and the, he actually expected that the shopping center will become a billion dollar asset within the next decade. Um, and then we saw today some some other things on that that they're looking at at moving the bus stop out of there and putting in residential <laughs> complexes. <laughs> um, so, so
1: would I be if I was the <laughs>
0: new
2: Oh my goodness! They're gonna, they're gonna move I was I was actually talking to someone the other day. <laughs> um, poor guy, you know, uh, a CDU student. Uh,
0: uh, well, He's terrified.
2: <laughs> graduated, but uh, but you know was was driving a bus, and, and he was just rattling off the routes uh, that were the most scary, and mm. the number ten going to Casuarina uh, interchange was was pretty high up there. Yeah, have um, to be. That's another one, Chris, that I don't get, you know. I mean, I don't know any other jurisdiction in Australia where taking a bus is taking your life into your own hands.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this yeah, stuff's horrible. True. Yeah. Stories you know,
2: hear. I spent a month in Perth. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't use a bus, but you don't hear. You <laughs> no, don't I hear saw them issues. as I drove
1: past <laughs> in my chauffeur-driven car.
2: Yeah, you, you know you don't you don't hear of any issues on buses. I mean you do a little bit I think on trains in Perth uh, yeah. especially down down south a little bit. but uh, gosh not not like the way I mean No, b- b- it uh, should be pleasant guys.
1: air conditioning free Wi-Fi
2: it should be great. but it's not. Yeah. It's not, it's not. Anyway, it's, we, we digress. Yeah,
0: so expect some changes here, though, now that, uh, that this has been sold, the Casarina Square has been sold, and they're saying that they're going to move in here very quickly and people will start seeing some changes, and some upgrades and okay things like that. So, yeah, that's what we know. Okay.
2: Great.
1: Okay, what's next, Pete? Well, my my Darwin vouchers return as hospitality industry suffers with the worst trade since the pandemic has started, which we talked about earlier. And, gee, it must be dire out there now, Chris.
0: Yeah, you got to think, um, listening to people, hearing people, what they're saying. Uh, yeah, so look, this was, you know, very popular there last year. And whatever yep. else it was rolled out here and goes very quickly. So they're talking about a pool of a million dollars here this time uh, for Darwin and Alice Springs. Um, which will I guess Darwin Council pledged 100 grand with the motion to go to council in the night had an additional hundred grand and the uh, the anti-government will match two dollars for every dollar there uh, so that's the big thing it's a lot bigger than it than it was before because the anti-government has now chipped in some money and that borrowed
1: um, money is a Chris? From the NT oh government?
0: absolutely yeah this is I don't know where they're getting that but uh, Oh uh, look, yeah, I don't know. There's so many other things I think that the businesses are calling on for too, on them to to bring out too. Uh, this might be, yeah, a, a kind of small little drop here, but uh, nobody's turning their nose up at it anyway at this point. And uh, anything that uh, that will get people out again, as we talked yeah. about hospitality and tea saying that people just aren't going out anymore. So if this encourages mm-hmm. people, and you remember back when it started, and we had, everybody was doing a lot of takeout. And stuff, and that just yeah, seems yeah. to have stopped now too. And so they're encouraging people to do that, and hoping that an incentive like this with the vouchers will will actually encourage people to do that again.
1: And yeah, fair know enough. how
0: how bad it is for the for the real small business owners out there who are struggling.
1: Yeah, we might uh, we might have to try and get some of these vouchers, gents, and uh, <laughs> go and grab a coffee from now and then, every now and then, from somewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah, some oh, local we'll businesses. Yeah. Now, uh, on the subject of handouts, uh, the (laughs) government rules the million-dollar fish catch was illegitimate. Uh, Northern Territory government has ruled that a $10,000 barramundi caught in a restricted fishing area by a man without the proper permits was illegitimate, but refused to explain what it intends to do about it.
0: Yeah. That was the weird thing about this thing. Like, I, I, I don't know if that's just a communications failure and how much they're paying this person, but they didn't actually say what's going to happen. Like, yeah, it's been deemed illegitimate. We assume then what that the money will be taken back, but you know, was the money given in the first place? What's going to happen? There's also a charity component to it. And surely they wouldn't be taking a thousand bucks back from the charity on this too. But you know, I just don't understand when it, you know, you're getting paid that much money to. To be a communications advisor here, that you can't even put the basic facts in a in a statement. And because that's all we got. You remember David Woods, the one who broke the story about this, uh happening there a couple months ago. Um, and yeah, he he'd been going back to them too, saying, you know, what what is going on with the investigation? And they wouldn't say, they wouldn't say. And then the other day they just put out a statement saying it's illegitimate, didn't say what it was. Uh uh, like what would happen, and if there's any penalties too, right? Like so, okay, we'll assume that, we, that they're taking the ten thousand bucks back, but are there any other penalties for breaching these, uh, you know, the, the restricted fishing zone and the and the title water agreement? Yeah, and they just did not say. They said, no, we don't have to tell you anything else about this. Uh, but of course, you remember the story that he was in the, I think it was the lower finesse, right? And and they now after an investigation uh investigating the legality of the catch um that little finesse river have determined that that it was illegitimate he didn't have the proper permits to fish in the area the government said uh, the decision was reached following direction from info fish australia and they say that's the independent agency that manages the tagging and verification process and they also said you know investigations and consultation with stakeholders including the nlc show the fish was caught in a restricted area and the angler did not have an official permit to fish in that area uh, and that the terms and conditions state that they need the necessary permits if accessing aboriginal land or tidal waters overlying aboriginal land for fishing purposes yeah we don't know what's going to happen they did say that you know and then the question became something like well what what you know where? Where did they drop this fish? Did they drop it there? It, like, yeah. So, but the government, uh, yeah, they said they made no mention of the money or exactly what would happen. But the government said the fish was initially released in the Dundee region in an unrestricted fishing zone. No further comment will be made. The statement <laughs> said, So no. okay." Uh, so we can yeah, we can right.
1: safely assume how he got there, but um, yeah. the, so we don't know if the person was paid or not. And do we know? Yeah. We know that the tag was legit. That they obviously took in to get the payment.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they put out a release about it, saying that this guy had won. But then uh, the weirdness started to happen when they put it on their Facebook page, and people and started saying, started, "Wait a second, yeah, he's not. He shouldn't have been in that area." Oh,
1: okay. And then, but then they start started recording. deleting.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was all about where it got oh, it. And yeah, then they yeah. started deleting those comments. And the NT News was doing oh, that too. Right. They were deleting comments about it. And we had people screenshotting and sending us things saying, here's the story. Like this guy is well out there. And, and David is it, Wood did his the own guy's call name, around.
1: R. Murdoch or something. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I guess they, they support the million dollars can dollar imagine him
1: out now. there fishing with his, you know, corks <laughs> around his hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. Oh, well, that's, uh, that's a
0: disappointing Yeah, one, right? it's a weird one. It's a weird one. And, um, yeah, you'd hope that they... Yeah, it's a strange that it's taken this long in some respects to, to have something like this. But, yeah, um, yeah I, mean, I don't know exactly. if he had to say where exactly he caught it, if he could have gone up a little bit more.
1: I would have thought for sure somebody would have dodged up a million-dollar fish tag and uh, given yeah. that a crack by now, but so far it hasn't happened.
0: No, and I think that these guys just didn't realize where... They were kind of because they were yeah, taking okay. photos of themselves when they had it. Yeah. So, but then people could see in the background where they were and say, uh, no, we know course. where that is. Right. So, they should have yeah. driven
1: up river a bit and they would have been fine.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah. uh, anyway, that's what that's, happens.
1: That's an unofficial statement, of course. <laughs> All right. Well, Chris, let's move on to a pretty important story now because uh, it, it's got to do with you uh, as well as the publisher of the NT Independent. And uh, of course, Owen Pike uh, released an article last weekend about it being crunch time to keep independent news alive in the Northern Territory. Let, let's talk about that.
0: Yeah, sure, P. Yeah, look, um, we uh, we did a Facebook Live here the other night with um, with Leon there, and we appreciate your help with that. And um, yeah, I think what what i was trying to get across in this and, and I encourage people to watch it. It's on our Facebook page. Uh, and it was a pretty good frank discussion, I think, about about two years in uh, with the NT Independent. We're, we're getting close here to our two year anniversary and um, and just what it's going to take to continue. We kind of reflected, I think, on some of the things that we've accomplished. And at the same time, you know, uh, kind of laid it, I think Owen kind of laid a bear of the challenges that we're still facing and exactly what we need to continue and how important we think the NT independence being in exposing, uh, you know, important and crucial issues that, that territorians need to know about. And that was a big thing in, 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 in his letter as well. Owen had said, you know, you know, how do we vote? when we don't know what the issues are in our community and, and how do we keep our, our our families? How do we make decisions that affect us and our families on a daily basis when we're kept in the dark? And, you know, that's what we've strived to do here for a while um, is, is, is expose this stuff is to give Territorians the information that they need, the knowledge that they need and, and understand what those important issues are. And, and of course, that's reflecting what the community tells us. And like I had, Uh, spoken about how thankful we were for the people who come forward and give us this information because a lot of this stuff is stuff yeah you're not going to read anywhere else this is you know from from highly placed sources uh people with knowledge of things that are going on that's contributed to us being able to expose a lot of this stuff and so the 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 idea is that we want that to continue we think we've um we've provided uh, something valuable to the Northern Territory, to the people of the of the Northern Territory, and you know, coming from the other side of this, which is the business side, which isn't so much my forte, and I'm, I'm on the editorial side. But Owen uh, is saying is is you know being quite open and honest about the fact that it's uh, he's got to make some difficult decisions coming up on whether or not uh, how exactly the NT Independent continues, and uh, yeah, you know, a, a plea for um, For continued support, and we're grateful for everybody who's who's chucked in anything five bucks to help, Uh, and and we've got a lot of supporters. And so, yeah, we're just saying that. I think Owen's saying at this point we've 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 also got some some merchandise, some fun merchandise that he's set up here, and he's going to be. we're going to be selling on the, uh, on the site. And I think people will like that, you know, for, you get a press pass with access to nowhere. Um, you can get a whistle <laughs> for the whistleblowers, uh, all kinds of t- 10 bucks of truth and accountability. He's got a million of them. But, uh, anyway, look, it's fun things to get the community kind of laughing and involved and uh and just how crucial that is and and you know and we know how difficult and we spoke about that how difficult it has been with the government ban on us but also you know scaring kind of potential advertisers away and even donors away um who don't want to be seen to be supporting uh even though they're reading us and they you know um they, they 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 back what we're doing but it's just they don't want to be seen so owen owen spoke about that and keeping people uh uh anonymous and also like you know one of the other things i don't think that people realize too is that you can do this it's on the donation page and the donate so you got to click that but you can also do um like a a weekly monthly or annual donation so it's kind of like a subscription right that you can then do it every month and they can take out whatever it is 10 15 20 30 bucks and it'll just be rolling and come out the same way that you'd be paying for the nt news or any other news service so um yeah, we have that option. And of course, that is then that's having a subscription to buying. So, you know, that's you want to read the news and pay for it. We, yeah, that, that's one way to do it. So, yeah, I think we, we all had a pretty, pretty intense discussion about exactly what we've done and where we're going. And, and, and hopefully, uh, we can continue this thing and hopefully, you know, um, some more people get behind us and and say that they like what we're doing and can can chip in and you know Owen's even looking at other arrangements here and like he said he's not doing this for profit he 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 just thinks that this is a a service that the territory needs especially now to um to expose what's going on. And, uh, and, and, and you look at that and what we've done with the police stuff and the sexual assaults and, you know, with holding the government accountable, even though they won't talk to us. Um, but he said, look, we, we need this. It's done as a service to the community. And he's even open to, you know, changing how things work. Maybe this guardian model with, um, uh, you know, a board and even other business people, if they want to get on board and I'll chuck in 5% or something and, and see where it goes there. So there's a lot of stuff. I encourage people to go on the site and read, uh, uh, Owen's letter uh, is quite good and explains everything. And also taking the discussion, both of those are, are pinned on the Facebook page right now.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And the, the other thing that uh, you know I'm aware of anyway, but I think I've told you from time to time, I see people talking about different things on, particularly social media, and you know from time to time, the NT Independent comes up on those, and it, it's sort of frustrating to read sometimes what people say because there's this um, belief, if you want to call it that, um, that Owen's somehow involved with mm. the editorial side of things and, you know, due to his, uh, as, as he describes it, his juvenile Facebook page, which he used to operate,
0: yeah, um, it,
1: it's been linked to much in the same. But he has no editorial say whatsoever, probably much to no. his frustration, to be honest.
0: Yeah, 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 certainly not coming. And the yeah.
1: stories are all generated by the team who know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, very experienced journalists. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it's a, it's a really good point. I, I, I've i been thinking about that a lot more, though, because like, we, we had a lot of negative comments in the beginning. And I talked about that the other night and how I told the guys, like, just... You know, just keep your head down and just report on what's happening here. And, and we'll show them through our reporting and our journalism who we are and what we do. And we've done that. And then we, we got those accolades by winning those awards um, just back in November a couple months ago. So um, so that was good. But the more I think about it, and those comments, the negative comments really stopped a lot. And now the more I see it, I, I find the irony in people... Saying, like, you guys are just going after labor. And it's like, my God, we just thought we were just so critical about the CLP. We're, we broke the <laughs> stories here, right? That what yeah. would happen and everything. Like, um, And there's more, you know, it's, it, it, I realize that the irony is that these people are the political operatives, that they're the ones who are not open to understanding anything. And we have a famous. Famous famously I'm just thinking about a, an artist in town who continually who continually comments with we could show her that we've proven everything and that we've yeah. we've gone through the books and like look, they're taking this money that this breach of the law and it's still you guys are anti labor and it's my god lady, you know that I wrote the book about the CLP. <laughs> and but you know, and then we just we just laugh at it now because we think like you're really showing your colors as being just completely biased. Yeah. And and so we don't take that criticism to heart because like I said, we, we just keep doing what we're doing, and and, and most people, uh, I think, recognize that that this new service is needed here, and that we're mm. the only ones who are going to tell their stories and get it out without that corporate or government influence.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh we enjoy having you on the podcast, uh, Chris. We think you do a good job. In fact, we think you do a great job. <laughs> um, we. Uh, uh, uh you know grateful that Owen is putting his hand in his pocket to su- to support this but we're also pragmatic and we understand mm. that uh you know business is business and these things need money in order to function mm. so uh who we and we've got a reasonably good following on this podcast so we can actually reach out to the people here um i suspect uh, many of whom probably are um uh, supporting the anti-independent in some way or another. Oh, yeah. But mm. f- for, for those that aren't, and, and even for those that are, that, you know, may be able to afford to, um, you know, pitch in a little bit more, I think I think it's important uh, to, to to do that if you can. Yeah. It, uh, you know, I, I don't think we've ever... On this history of this podcast ever done, and an, an appeal to our, our uh, listeners, uh, Pete, have we? Uh, we? We, in fact, we don't even ask the money ourselves. <laughs> well, as I was as I, I was listening to you, Leon, I felt
1: like saying, "By all means, support the anti-independent, <laughs> but feel free to throw a few bucks
2: that way as well."
0: <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, no, look, uh, I'm, I'm 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 happy to say that I've got a, a pretty good day job, and, and and so does Pete, you know, um, <laughs> and we do do this because. We enjoy doing it, um, mm-hmm. although during the Christmas break we were thinking <laughs> how much we actually enjoy it. many <laughs> episodes is one person <laughs> <need> to do, <laughs> um, but I think once we start cranking up the stories again, um, we'll we'll definitely get get back that joy that you get from from mm. talking to people from threats. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, but look, it, I think it's important. So you know, for, for those of you listening out there, whether you're doing it on a lawnmower or not, um, uh, please, please, um, if you can, uh, dig in and uh, keep the NT Independent going and uh, keep those stories coming and keep the government accountable. Because I've got to tell you, my motivation for this is um, not because I want to tear any government down. Mm. It's because I just want a fully functioning, vibrant democracy. That is the sole reason why I do this.
0: Yeah, I know, Leon. And then look, like Owen said, he said, look, if we don't have an honest media to fight for accountability here in the NT, who will? And uh, yeah, that's a question that, that we've got to answer.
2: Yeah. So um, all the best, Chris. Uh, you know, we're more than happy to plug, uh, plug you guys, uh, you know, this podcast and and uh, do what we can to help you guys to keep going
0: yeah no it's greatly appreciated both guys uh peter and leon thanks for all your support over the past two years it's been great
1: our pleasure chris thanks again we'll catch you next week that was another edition of the territory story podcast weekend edition or weekends with walsh as it's also known we'll catch you next
0: weekend You've been listening to the Territory Story Podcast with Leon Logan Nathan and Peter Gowers. For more episodes, search Territory Story Podcast on all leading podcasting platforms or go to territorystory.com. The Territory Story Podcast. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency.